Welcome to the Dog Training Audio Experience Podcast. This is the podcast where you are going to get a lot of value when it comes to learning more about dog training, dog behavior, and beyond. I'm your host, Erica Gonzalez. I'm a certified dog trainer and behavior consultant and the founder of From Dusk Till Dog. And with that, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is going to be all about dogs and babies. We get asked about this a lot as dog trainers. So if you have kids or plan on having kids at some point and wonder what some best practices are to help set everybody up for success, then this is the episode for you. Here to help me discuss this topic is my guest, Ashley Meyer. She is a certified professional dog trainer and the owner of Fetching Potential located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Also, she is now a mom herself to a newborn and congratulations first of all Ashley and welcome to the show I appreciate you being here Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I can't wait for this conversation. Yeah, I feel like I mean, I know you as a trainer and and me, I mean, there's so many families out there, people planning on having a family in the future or currently going through this or even just having young children, you know, trying to figure out how to manage dogs and babies and kids. It's it could be a lot. Yes, especially with COVID last year and everybody getting dogs and homeschooling with that. So yes, lots of families with dogs now and Mm -hmm. children. So yeah. And shout out to all the families making all this work over the last while, I feel like just trying to juggle life. So yeah, uh, yeah. so I'm glad that we're going to touch on this. Obviously, there's several different things to consider uh, with dogs and babies in the same household. And I did want to narrow it down to babies just because, you know, when the baby starts crawling or moving or you have younger children, five years old or whatever, I mean, this content's still going to help you. But I wanted to bring it down to baby stuff because you're personally going through it and it's fresh on your mind, I'm sure. But, you know, it's going to depend on whether it's a newborn or a young child or maybe you have kids already and now you're going to get a dog in the house or you have a resident dog and you're going to bring a, you know, kids coming into the home after the fact. So that being said, we're going to focus on some general tips and understanding around babies and our resident dog or dogs in your case and my case as well as having more than one dog in the house. So let's jump right into it, Ashley. In terms of preparing because that's so important. We're always talking about preparation, right? So babies arriving home, what are two or three main things you'd recommend making a plan for ahead of time for when the baby's gonna come around? Anything that that you would recommend for that? Yes, so especially in the first four weeks, um, Mm -hmm. have a plan. So if you are giving birth or your partner is giving birth, or even if you're adopting, Mm first four weeks are a huge adjustment. Um, If you're the one giving birth, then you're also healing. Um, So whether it's C-section or natural, like you are healing and there's a lot of change going on. So prep for those first weeks. Um, I actually recommend um, putting on your baby registry, a dog walker. Yes. Donate to a fund for a dog walker. So that way your dogs can continue to get their walks because Mm -hmm. you're going to be exhausted. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that way you, if it's not financially possible for you and your family to hire a dog walker, Mm -hmm. putting that on the registry and giving people a chance to help you through that um, is a great option 
to continue to give your dogs exercise. Um, and then again, with that prep for those first four weeks, preparing mm -hmm. enrichment. So things like Kongs, put them in the freezer. Yes. Uh, uh, if you go, if you go for a walk, collect different, uh, items that you find on walks that your dogs find interesting, like leaves or sticks or dirt, mm -hmm. put those in a box and let your dog sniff them, uh, a few weeks later, a little like sensory box, kind of like exactly. a sniff box. I love that. Exactly. So, um, using, using anything in your home to, mm -hmm. uh, have a different way to, feed your dog is just a great, easy enrichment option. Love um, enrichment stuff for sure. It's so, so helpful. It is like the best thing ever. <laughs> I love enrichment. Anyone who follows my content, I mean, I'm sure you post a, a ton of stuff about that too. Like enrichment is amazing and highly yes. recommended. <laughs> well, and it's so good for our dogs mm -hmm. and their well-being uh, to yeah. provide that. So, and then if you do have multiple dogs, figuring out how you're going to handle playtime. So they're going to mm -hmm. play. How are you going to manage that with a new baby? So my dogs have actually, we've conditioned them to go outside. So when they start to play, I'll ask them to go outside um, because it is summertime. It's not freezing mm -hmm. here in Minnesota. So mm -hmm. I have that opportunity to send them outside. We also have Great. a bunch up so I send them to a specific location of the house and they can play there okay um but yeah then the only the other thing that I would recommend planning for is what you're going to do with your dogs during daily activities so we always want active supervision with mm -hmm. dogs and so if you are scrolling on Facebook that's not going to be active supervision mm -hmm baby going to be and where is your dog going to be mm. um if you're cooking same thing if you go to the bathroom is the dog coming with you or is the baby coming with you <laughs> so yeah <laughs> running through those those daily activities that you do um where you aren't actively supervising your dog and you wouldn't mm. actively be supervising your child where are they both going to be and what safety measurements are you going to have in place I have to say all that is amazing and very important. And I am, I've actually never heard of, in all this time doing this, uh, have never heard of the idea of putting the dog walker on the baby registry or the gift registry. That is a phenomenal idea. And I just want to repoint that out. I mean, all of them were very important, but I want to repoint that out because yeah, it is an expense. It's an additional thing. And we have, you know, it's definitely going to be mentioned during this episode that our dogs still have to get out and they have to go get their exercise, <clears throat> get outside. And if you can't do that or you don't want to do it in all honesty, yeah. you're freaking exhausted or you need to, you know, tend to your baby right now. And not that, you know, the dog doesn't matter anymore, but if you can hire help to help you out with that, I highly recommend doing that and having that be a gift option from somebody who wants to already gift you and congratulate you on your new baby is, is right. really good idea. So I love that idea. I wanted to point that out again, because uh, I think that's genius. So yeah, I mean, all that is super important, Ashley. I love those points. And uh, in addition to that too, like some other things that people can think about outside of those important ones, 
Um, I, you know, want to also stress, I tell people, hey, like you already said, right, what's your, what do you imagine your day is going to look like once baby comes around? You know, are you going to be waking up at a different time? Are you going to be feeding your dog at a different time? Things like that. So just kind of planning that out. But, you know, having some basic skills for your dog. I mean, some people's dogs are a great house dog and they're around with them, but they might not know a lot. So just even if it's basic stuff, like you said, you know, hey, let's cue them to go to their uh, playpen or crate area or out in the yard for a moment or behind a baby gate. And, you know, so I like having a couple basics in place. If you have time, of course, if you're uh, aware that you're planning this and, and have a couple months or whatever to, to work on that. Uh, Leave It is a huge one I, I train with. I'm sure you do as well, like having that to stay away from baby things or around the baby in general, or just to kind of, you know, have some separation. Um, I love place training as well. And lastly, just kind of getting your dog or dogs used to being either confined or baby gated away from you or door shut behind you where like my Chihuahua Freddie, I mean, if I go up and down, I go upstairs, he follows me upstairs and I'm, I go downstairs and I go, oh crap, I forgot the thing upstairs. I go upstairs, he follows me upstairs and I'm like, dude, I'm coming right back. He's just up my butt 24 hours a day. And We've worked on certain things. He's okay if I need to leave him and stuff like that, but he's a shadower. So if all of a sudden your dog's like Freddie and now you have a baby that you need to shut the door, you know, and your dog might now get stressed, let's start testing out doing things like that ahead of time so that we have a heads up if your dog is going to have a panic attack when you close the bedroom door behind you all of a sudden or the bathroom, like you said. There you, yeah. I don't, I haven't uh, gone to the bathroom alone in a long time unless I shut the door. <laughs> so I do have to do that. I'm sure many of us with dogs feel the same. So yeah, yeah really good stuff. And, um, you know, I think there will be lifestyle changes, speaking of that, and it changes across the board for everybody, humans and dogs included. So what are a couple of things you would have people consider about the change of what might change and how they can try to best prepare for those changes in their schedule and kind of their day-to-day -day lifestyle. Yeah, so one thing obviously is you have way less time to give them attention. Yeah. Um, and we kind of talked about this already with the passive mm -hmm. enrichment, but giving them that enrichment is gonna be so beneficial because you can give them something to do and mm -hmm. you don't have to feel guilty about not get, being able to give them that attention. Mm -hmm. um, so especially in, so my baby is going to be three months old soon um, and it is developmentally normal for her naps to be between 30 and 45 minutes. So I'm okay. not, you don't get that three hour stretch or two hour stretch of nap time where mm -hmm. I can work with the dogs, um, or I can clean the house. So it's only those 30 to 45 minutes. And obviously some babies are outliers and will give you that two hours. Um, but <laughs> normally mm -hmm. in short naps and things are always changing with babies because they develop so quickly in that first year. Right. Um, so keep that in mind, have a, have a plan for how you want to interact with them. So I choose one nap a day to take the dogs out to the backyard and we okay. play fetch, we work on training. Um, and that's, that's my bulk of attention that they get until she goes down for bedtime at night. And then mm -hmm. we cuddle time. Okay. Um, 
So the other thing to be aware of is if your dog is noise sensitive, then mm -hmm. you need to be aware that babies make a lot of strange noises. Mm -hmm. And um, my baby just started screeching. So she learned how to use that high register. So, oh yeah. Yes. So making sure that your dog is comfortable with those sounds. So while you're pregnant, while you're planning to adopt, mm -hmm. um, play randomly those sounds. There's an app, I think it's on both iPhone and Android. It's for sure on Android. Mm -hmm. Baby sounds. That's, that's the name of it. Love it. Pretty simple. We could find that also yeah. YouTube. Like I, yeah, yeah. Like I use a lot of stuff on there because you know, you can find anything on there these days. You can. So, yeah. and the, the app is like, each one is between three and 10 seconds long. So they're not very Great. long, but that's perfect for mm -hmm. training. You can play it. It's a short duration. You can turn the volume way down and then build it up to uh, full volume and multiple different sounds. Cool. As your dog gets comfortable. So those are probably my top two mm -hmm. things in mind um, and prepping your dog for. So yeah. All the changes. There's so much changes. Good, good stuff. All good stuff that needs to happen, but it's a lot of moving parts. And as a family, um, or even if you're, you know, doing it by yourself is prepping. Yeah. So that way it's less stress on you at the end of the day of, oh my God, what am I going to do now? What do I have to get done? If you, if you have time to plan it, plan ahead. So that way it's less stressful. And, you know, with the scheduling changes and things, I think other changes that people don't necessarily think of until baby's in the house already. And if we can know ahead of time, again, very, that's a little bit better and you get a leg up. But sometimes the rules, quote unquote, for those just listening, I'm using air quotes, the rules of the house or whatever you're like, okay, that your dog does or not okay that your dog does might change once the baby's around. So something like jumping all over the furniture, which normally maybe, you know, for this family that I'm hypothetically talking about might not be a problem. And now all of a sudden you have the baby in your arms and you're about to sit on the couch and your dog's looking up at you like, yeah, it's time to jump up, man. And you're like, oh no, wait a minute. Uh, I don't think I like, I don't want this right now anymore. You know, if you think any rules are going to change or boundaries in the house that might be adjusted or put in place that weren't there before prepping and, and practicing with your dog even just a little bit before baby comes would be a, a good thing even moving around the car like some people just kind of throw their dogs in the back seat and everything's fine and now you have a car seat back there with your baby and you're like oh wait i have to restrain my dog or put them in a travel crate or put them up front or whatever it is that people want to do. And your dog might be like, why the hell are we changing this? This is uncomfortable. I'm not used to it. So thinking about those lifestyle changes as well, I think are uh, in addition to that really important. So I love that you brought that up. Mm -hmm. uh, another piece that a lot of people don't think about with those lifestyle changes and boundary changes is sleeping. Uh, so you cannot actively supervise when you're asleep. And for a lot of families, this might not be your family, but for many families, the baby sleeps in the same room as the parents for at least a few weeks up to a year. Mm -hmm. um, and since we cannot be actively supervising, if your dog sleeps in your bed with you, then that's might need to change. Yeah. Um, so with our dogs, our dogs never slept in our bed with us, mm -hmm. but that was my husband's rule. 
<laughs> but they have their own beds mm -hmm. in our room, but they still had access to the bassinet. So I actually tethered them. So I had a really long mm -hmm. uh, leash and I put it under our dresser that's in our room. Nice. That way they could move around. They can spin because our dogs like to spin before <laughs> they move down, of course. Yes. Uh, there's no risk for choking because the leashes are so long. Mm -hmm. um, and but they still can't get to baby. So they can't get to the bassinet. Uh, so thinking about those things, does your dog need to be crated at night now? Um, can you use a tether or is it safer for your dog to be out of the room? Mm -hmm. at night? Yeah, I love that you brought that up because yeah, I'm, Freddie sleeps in our bed, you know, um, and all, all four of my stepkids are, are older and they're not babies by any means. But, you know, if I'm thinking about if there was a, a baby in the room, you know, yeah, that's that's something to, you know, think about. And it could be a concern yeah. if your dog is in the middle of sleeping and all of a sudden baby wakes up and like you said, is in that high register all of a sudden, like Whitney Houston style. <laughs> and they're like, whoa, like at 2 a.m., you know, it can be startling and you never know how, you know, our dogs mean well overall, but they, they might get startled. They might get upset. They might get worried, concerned about something, movement in the bassinet when they're not used to that in the middle of the night can, you know, some dogs can get protective over the baby or over the noise they're hearing. So there's so many possibilities best to opt out of having any of the possibilities negatively that might happen there. So I'm glad that you brought that up as well, because yeah. a lot of dogs and, sleep in the room. <laughs> right. And with when your baby's a little older at toddler stage, when mm -hmm. they're in their toddler bed, a lot of times kids have their own mind and don't sleep through the night. So uh -huh. they might end up having utilizing gates at doorways could be another option to have your toddler so if your toddler gets out of their bed, either a gate at their room that you can easily open or a gate at your room so that they, there's never that initial contact during the middle of the night when your dog isn't expecting it. Yeah, management for your dog, but management for your kid as well. <laughs> we need management all across the board when you have uh, kids and dogs around. That is for sure. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, everyone, anyone who's listened to any of my other stuff and really all the trainers around, I mean, we're, we're going to first touch on management before we even really do a lot of hands-on training stuff as we need those management things in place. So yeah, baby gates. I'm a huge fan of baby gates. I love it. And PS, I do want to say this because it just popped into my brain. So here we go. But uh, I use a gate currently with my two dogs and I don't have a kid and you know, it's, it's for other reasons, but even as a trainer, I right now without any like big events or big circumstances still utilize a gate. Now it's a cute little wooden one from home goods that looks a little bit different than a baby gate, whatever you want to get. But there are times where I either separate Jade and Freddie, you know, if you have multiple dogs and a kid. So thinking about if a kid was around, if you, you know, want to separate your two dogs and then go upstairs with your, like, you want to give both of your dogs a Kong, but now you're worried about both of them, you know, going after the same Kong or, or bothering each other. Okay, let's separate the two dogs and go upstairs with baby behind, you know, in the bedroom or wherever we're going to do our stuff. And then, um, you know, I, I use it sometimes when I'm answering the door. If you have guests coming in, especially when you have a kid, people are going to want to come visit and see, see the baby and say hi and check in on you. If you don't want your dogs or, you know, in the nicest way, you don't want to deal with your dogs with the front door and the baby and everything else, 
gated up. So I'm all about gates and I like to disclose that I still on occasion utilize them. Yeah. So yeah, nothing wrong with baby gates. I think they're great. Yeah. We we've used them ever since we got two dogs when we added daily to our household. Um, yeah, yeah, like you said, they're very useful. Yeah, I'm glad we can let people normalize the gates, normalize the gates. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of kind of gating and, and boundary setting in the house, there is a huge debate we all know about baby's room or, you know, as the kid gets a little bit older and maybe not sleeping in the bedroom, like you said, um, you know, after the first year or however long people wait for that so- sort of thing. But should the dog be allowed in the baby's room or not? Big debate around that. And so what are your thoughts on that and maybe options to consider for people? And, and I know it'll depend like a lot of things with dog training, but what are your initial thoughts on, on dog allowed in baby area, baby room? Yes. So it is very dog and family dependent, yes. but one thing to keep in mind, if your dog is a resource guarder of space or objects, mm-hmm. um, that's a definite no for me. So that's a time when I would use a baby gate at the doorway and dog, mm-hmm. that dog would not be allowed in. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I hope you're working through that resource guarding, but why take the chance uh, if, if you can manage the situation right. um, with a gate? So some dogs have separation anxiety. Uh, so Bailey, my younger dog, she has some some separation anxiety. She's a shadow dog, very much so. <laughs> so in the beginning, I was letting her in with me all the time because it made her feel comfortable. And mm-hmm. so with the addition of the added stress of a baby, she was already stressed. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to ask her to be separated from me at that time. But mm-hmm. now we've slowly worked up to she can be on the other side of the gate and she's okay. She can still see us. She can hang out. Um, And if she wants to, she can leave the area when, and she usually does choose that when baby's crying. (laughs) She's like, I'm good. You handle it, mom. (laughs) Yeah, I'm done. See ya. Um, So, but the main thing is you want to know your dog well. So if, if your dog can listen to you um, while you're busy, so say Mm -hmm. your back is turned, you, can your dog sit if you ask for a sit with your back turned to them? Um, if you have your hands full of something and you ask for a down or an off, Mm -hmm. or you even ask them to leave the room, Mm -hmm. um, can they do that while you're doing normal baby caring things? Yes. And that's something I practice. Yeah. That's something you can definitely practice while you're waiting for baby's arrival. Mm -hmm. is is just doing that but if your dog can't do those things then I would recommend maybe while you're feeding while you're trying to put baby to sleep and while you're doing diaper changes maybe that those are times when dog is out of the room because you can't actively Mm -hmm. work with them to get them out right Uh, opt out you can opt out yeah yeah. Whereas when maybe baby's on the floor and or in a carrier or something like that, and you have a little bit more hands-free time, mm-hmm. you can work with a dog to get those behaviors. Yeah. 
I love that you said like you could practice this beforehand, like whether, you know, uh, we've all walked in with too many groceries. I'm trying to be like the Hulk and do like one, one visit back to the house with everything. My dogs are always in the way right at the door, like, Hey, and I'm like, can you get out of my way? Um, so, you know, even just trying to work with them when you have some groceries in your hand or the trash, or, you know, you're heading out to bring the trash out or whatever, um, to see if your dogs can respond, you know, it's a great, great point on that. And I, I do agree. I think it's a personal preference about how how it's going to go. And I love that you said know your dog. Yes, that's 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 the main thing. Like Freddie would do better if I didn't like if I did. How I know right now, I can say with certainty, if I had a baby in this room and I closed him out, he would be doubly stressed. He'd be like, "Well, what the hell's that thing with mom in yep. there?" And why is the door shut now and I'm sitting here? He would cry. So if I let him in and I asked him to go lie down on his bed, he would gladly go and do that and be much calmer. Now he still might be like, okay, there's this thing over there. To yeah. a dog, a baby's like a thing. They don't really know what's going on right away. Um, so, you know, they're looking up at baby. They might be a little concerned, but if you feel like your dog's going to do better, like you said, with your dog, um, definitely know your dog. It's going to be a, a preference. Um, and I, I do think if, you know, I, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of police, like with families I worked with, with this police yeah. is probably my number one used behavior in my house. Mine too. Police. Yeah. Oh, good. See, all right. Yeah. Lovely. Police is like the, the number one. So whether that's I'm, when I'm cooking, go to place when I'm eating, go to place when I need you out of my way for a moment, cause I'm walking back and forth and Jane, uh, Jade, my, our, our pit bull is we have named her lovingly the queen of the transition, which means any room that's transitioning to another area. So like the, like the walkway, the doorway, the entryway, she lays right in the middle. So we call her the queen of the transition. Um, thing because mine do that too. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, you have the whole room. Can you just pick another spot? Um, so, you know, I've had to work with her a lot with, um, with the, I say out. So she exits the area or I say place and she goes to her place. So place is a big one. And if you could get your dog to do that, um, then I would work on that even in the baby's room. So if you want to start, it's even down the line when you feel a little more comfortable, you have your bearings, start working with, you know, on the other end of the room, you're here with baby at the crib or the bed, and you have your dog's bed over here or a spot for them so that when you're doing things in there, they know what they should be doing when you're in that room. So kind of giving them that place task or bed task when they're in there um, is, is, is key. And I've definitely used that a lot with families when we're working on some of those uh, next steps together. Yes. And, and one other thing I might mention, yeah. a lot of people or to a lot of dogs, when people crouch or sit on the floor, it is an invitation to interact. So make sure that your dog understands that that isn't always the case because you are going to spend a lot of time on the floor with baby mm -hmm. and dogs can't always be in your lap during that time. So yes. Yes. just a little side note, my dogs are that way and I didn't work hard enough at that before baby <laughs> came. <laughs> You're like, oh no, they're like, hey, you down here. Oh yeah, that's, that's, I'm, these are such important points. Thank you so much for bringing that up, Ashley. I think a great way on that note, I think a great way to help with it is just ha like have your dog go to place or in a stay or in a downstay or whatever you want to do, whatever works for them. 
move a foot or two or three or four or 10 away and start, I do like a bend down to tie your shoe bit as a distraction. So I'll like yeah. kind of bend down and undo my shoelace, go over, reward them, you know, don't trip on your shoelace, come back, put the shoelace back in a bow, you know, work on just kind of crouching, bending down, then immediately rewarding your dog before they think about getting up. So that becomes kind of like a distraction, if you will. Um, and I also do sitting on the couch. That's yeah. a big, I know, you know, that's a big one. Uh, it's almost equally like crouching. It's like, okay, it's time to jump up on your lap. It's time to come up on the couch. So if you want to start having, having your dog not default to that, have them go to place, have them do it down and then try to, I do like an air squat. So I don't even touch the couch on the first one. I'm just like, boop, and then right back over to reward the dog. And then we work up to actually putting a butt in a seat. Uh, so kind of slow and slow, go a little slow with that. If your dog has trouble, like my two sure did when I first started trying to work yeah. on that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think uh, there, you touched a little bit on this with the sounds earlier. So I kind of want to go into that a little bit more because there's so much other prep we can do. And I also want to say, yes, with dog training, there's a lot of moving parts. Things can seem complex. And as a trainer, I always kind of think things are complex and not in a negative way, but I'm like, oh, there's this, there's that, there's management, there's enrichment, there's this, there's exercise. I got to do this. There's a lot of parts if you really boil it down, but this is attainable. This is you, anyone can do this stuff as easy as a gate and a Kong can save your life. Um, it doesn't have to be uh, very daunting. It can seem daunting and it can be if you wanted it to be, but you can make it pretty easy and simple and just break it down to two or three main things you want to kind of focus on. And that's it. So I did want to just say that as we continue yeah. to dive in a little caveat or disclaimer, like, hey, I know we're talking about a lot of things and you could practice some of them. You might not get to all of them and that's okay. You work on it as best as you can. So, um, oh, okay. So although baby will be new to your dog, there's also a lot of other new things that come along with baby. So there's, you know, toys and car seats and high chairs and little swing things uh, that I wish they made an adult version for because I would definitely sit in that and sounds and stuff. Um, how can people help their dog be more comfortable with the items and the sounds and what are some things you would recommend that, that people can do for that? Yes. So I'm not sure if you can hear baby. I just want to let yeah. your listeners know that she's not neglected. She has a babysitter. Yes. No worry. Everya. Thank you for saying that. Just in case uh, we, we scheduled this when Ashley has uh, some help during this, uh, during this time. So, yes, so. <laughs> real life folks. Let you know. Um, so my first recommendation, as you begin to accumulate things mm -hmm. after your baby shower or as you buy things, let your dog investigate them on their own time. So yes. with anything baby related, you don't want to force interactions. So my dog Bailey is a nervous Nelly and mm -hmm. anything that has sudden movements that she doesn't expect to move mm -hmm. is really scary for her. Sure. And so the stroller was a big deal for her. Um, and so we did a lot of practice around the stroller moving, the stroller mm -hmm. opening up um, and making sure that she was comfortable with that. But at first we just let her sniff it for a few days. So Love she'd it. go over and sniff it and then be like, okay, this is a little scary still. So she'd leave it alone. Okay. Um, but again, never force interactions with anything baby related because you don't want that negative association 
um, to transfer to all baby things. Yes. So important. Um, Real quick, can I just say, I don't mean to interject on you, but I, that's so, so important. It's almost like if somebody, um, you know, I know people who are comfortable with bugs and I can't stand it. Like I, I, I could deal with dogs growling at me and I don't even bat an eye, but a bug flying near me, I'm like, I'm all of a sudden crazy. Uh, and anyway, I don't know if that's a deeper problem, but it's a problem for me. And it's almost like, you know, I've had people that like have like something in their hand. They're like, oh, look at this bug. And, and there's or like little kids in my family and they're like, hey, and they're almost like bringing it up to you. And you're like, whoa, you know, like, don't bring it into me. Like, I, I'll look yep. at it from a distance and maybe if I want to come check it out. But if all of a sudden it's like coming into my space without my consent, now I'm even more freaked out. So I, I did want to just kind of use that analogy because what you said there is uh, something I want to help people really point to is I think people bring things closer to the dog, like here, smell it yeah. and, uh, or look at it. And they're like, whoa, 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 you know, let them approach it. That is a great analogy. Yeah. Thank you. I think we're all good at dog. Dog trainers have the best analogies, in my opinion. Yes. Maybe yes. I'm biased, so, but. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Because you have to think about what the easiest way for, to understand yeah. it. And it's easy to put things into human terms. So Yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry. So go ahead continue. I want to hear the rest of these. These are so, so good. Yes. Um, so if you find that something does bother your dog, mm -hmm. um, say, so like with the stroller, um, I can't just leave food out because my two dogs are resource guarders over food mm -hmm. uh, against each other. So I did many training sessions where if I noticed that she was approaching it, I would put my other dog away and just toss treats for her Love it um, near the stroller. So the, the treats weren't directly coming from me. They were always landing near the stroller mm -hmm. and so Use, use treats, use your dog's daily kibble yeah. uh, to just continue to create that positive association with something that they might kind of freak them out or they're unsure about. Yeah. Um, I like telling people to practice loose leash walking with the stroller. If your dog cannot loose leash walk right now, get the loose leash walking down before mm -hmm. adding the stroller. Um, so then, then add that once you feel comfortable with your dog walking on a loose leash, um, use the baby wearing apps wrap. Um, so oh, if, yeah. if you're going to wear your baby, mm -hmm. sometimes that can make us look a little bit different and our dog can be like, well, you kind of bounds. So you can put on the baby wrap, put a sack of potatoes in there and yep. This is a time where you can ask for your, a sit from your dog, ask them to go to their place um, because you look different. You're acting a little different. You might be moving a little bit different. Yeah. Um, so see if they can follow their cues. Um, Love that. When you're wearing the wrap, um, practice swaying and bouncing. Normal people don't just sway and bounce, but when you're 3 a.m. and you're trying to get your baby to go back to sleep, yes, going to sway and bounce. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, your dog might not be used to that. So, practice that, and kind of like you said with the couch, mm. do little bounces and then reward your dog, and then do bigger bounces or bigger sways, mm -hmm. uh, kind of work up to that full motion of swaying and bouncing. 
a lot of choreography, you know, it's a lot of choreography. dog training can be very choreographed and how it is. And I think that's important too, because I was just, I was just talking to uh, another guest about this. Uh, yes, we want to choreograph and kind of set these up. And to your point, you know, then you do want to kind of add in that element of surprise, if you will, or kind of not so choreographed. Like once your dog's doing well, then you yeah. do want to kind of look more normal and not so proper in the training setting because you're not always yeah. going to look like that either. So great point with the swing. I didn't even think about that, you know, the swing yeah. stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, I worked with a family whose dog really struggled with that strange movement. So yeah. Um, we had to work through that. And another thing that you can do to keep the sessions not choreographed once your dog is to that point is have little treat spots throughout the house. So use yes. dollar store Tupperware and find, you can use kibble, you can use freeze dried treats. Mm -hmm. um, that way you can surprise them with a goodie. <clears throat> uh, well little treat stations I highly recommend that too just having yeah. little li every room that you think you might have a moment with your dog to reinforce something to distract them to get them out of the way whatever it is uh, emergency stash but I would have like you said little mason jars or ziploc bags or throw it in a drawer somewhere but have them in different areas so that way you're prepared you don't have to run to the one bag that's in the one cupboard in the kitchen exactly. every time you want to reward your dog, which is not going to work out very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. So yeah, I mean, all, I love that the stroller thing is huge for people wanting to, you know, they have this ideal idea of walking the dog with the stroller, you know, start off slow, maybe in your home, even if you have an area, you can kind of move the stroller a little bit once your dog's to that point, of course, and even just without a leash, just kind of moving it around with your dog, kind of following you for some food and just kind of reinforcing yeah. them, then adding the leash in. So we could do a whole nother episode on exactly how to train some oh, of this. Yeah. Uh, so maybe part two with babies at some point. Um, but yeah, like intro one thing at a time. Don't try to do, you know, the high chair and the shoulder and the swing, like all in the same session necessarily. You want to take it low and slow, create positive associations. And the biggest thing is making your dog feel safe. The question is, do they feel safe around this? Do they seem apprehensive or not? Um, and also like consider sense of things, you know, your baby powder, the lotions, the, the things you're going to be bringing around, you know, making sure your dog feels okay about those as well. And just kind of exposing them to that the same way I would with like an ear cleaner I'm going to use on my dogs or any wipes that I'm going to use for them to make sure that they don't view it as negative. Um, and then, like you said, the sounds get on YouTube, get that baby sounds app, get started on some of those sounds because your dog's not used to hearing them. So unless you've had a child in your house before, they're not going to be uh, aware of what that is. Um, right. So, you know, I know, you know, practicing ahead of time is always ideal, but what are, you know, what are one or two scenarios um, that, uh, you know, people, I want to talk a little bit about like feeding and holding the baby and do you, and I think we already kind of touched on this. So maybe, maybe we could pass over this question, but did we miss anything in terms of like proactive practice? Cause I, I know I want to talk about the stroller walking and you touched great on that. And then like feeding, whether that's with the baby. And I think you touched on that too, just kind of being able to direct your dog. Did we miss anything there or we can move on to the next question? Cause I feel like we touched on it. The, the only thing that I would recommend practicing ahead of time is separation. Um, yes. There, 
it's inevitable that your dog is going to be separated from you at some point mm-hmm. when you have a child. Yeah. Uh, because that's, that's the only way that us parents can stay sane is yeah. if we can give ourselves breaks. Um, so make sure that your dog is able to be behind a gate or is mm-hmm. able to be in a pen or behind a closed door or on a tether. Um, so making sure they're comfortable with that and working through any issues that arise. And I wanna mention this, if, if you are worried about your dog with anything that we've touched on, hire someone. Yes. You don't have to go through this alone. You don't have to try and figure out how to balance it all because you're already stressed and prepping for a baby. You shouldn't have your dogs add to that stress. So hiring someone who's really knowledgeable about different situations. So if your dogs do struggle with separation, hire a special or hire a separation anxiety specialist. and things like that. So resource yeah. guarding, hire a resource guarding specialist. Yeah. It's, it's so helpful and you will get your money's worth. Mm-hmm. Out of I have to say, I, I wish that if you haven't worked with, you know, a, a qualified positive reinforcement trainer in the past, or it's not like fresh in your mind, I would say, even if you have no problems, even if you, you know, yeah. feel like you got it, I really feel like hiring a trainer, you know, there's, there's things you said that I'm like, oh, wow, I've been working with families and babies for a while. And unless it's a problem, I might not think about that. Um, Or, you know, the sense of the lotions, you know, another trainer might focus on something else. Yeah. Like, so I think it's always good to have another set of eyes to say, oh, I noticed this, especially a professional that's going to realize maybe your dog is uncomfortable with something that you think they're quote unquote fine about a professional dog trainer is going to look at it. I've had plenty of people who think their dog is loving it and they are not loving it. <laughs> they are opposite of loving it. Um, so it's good to have that. I'm glad that you touched on that. Yeah. Well, and even as a dog trainer, I hired a dog trainer when yes. my dogs were struggling with resource guarding because I knew I wasn't seeing the full picture because I'm emotionally invested. Yes, so. they're your dogs. Oh my God, I love you for saying that. Thank you. You know, it's, we need help sometimes outside of ourselves. You know, a therapist might have their own therapist. Exactly. You know, they can't treat themselves all the time. I mean, it might be a little bit more helpful, but you know, it's totally yeah. fine and normal. So I'm so glad that you said that. And so hiring help is always a win. It's only going to be a benefit. It's definitely not going to hurt anything. So, right. you know, make sure you hire somebody qualified and that knows, you know, has experience with this, but, um, okay. So I'm going to kind of put these two questions kind of together. Uh, here comes the big moment. We've had the baby. We're exhausted. I'm assuming. Um, and you know, ready to go home and now dog might be there, you know, waiting for you. And, uh, you know, how people always ask, like, how, how should we introduce them? We've all seen the YouTube video examples of like in the dog trainer world of how not to do it. Yes. Um, a lot of quote unquote cute videos of my, you know, my dog meeting my baby and all dog trainers are like, oh God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh God, I get anxiety watching most of those. And again, I don't fault anybody. They're not professional trainers, but what are some things in terms of we're going to be arriving home, like what the setup is and how the first initial hello, nice to meet you type of moment should look. So what are some some tips for that and some things to look out for there? 
So the first thing is it's not a free-for-all. Do not just set your dog, your baby's car seat down and let your dog get all up in their business. Um, your baby, even though they are helpless, they are an individual person mm -hmm. and they cannot say no to a dog coming into their space. So you have to advocate for your child. And personally, a strange dog coming that I haven't met coming into my face makes me uncomfortable. So I would assume that my baby would feel uncomfortable in that situation as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not a free for all. Um, I agree. My, as far as like the initial greeting, so you arrive home, you're in the park or in the garage, have one person go into the house, say hello to the dogs. It's probably been a couple days. Mm -hmm. um, get all of the dog's craziness out and in the greeting and then have the other person stay with the baby and then you switch. Um, so then the, the person who said hi to the dog stays with the baby and then the other person can go into the house and say hello to the dogs and again get those crazies out and wait for calm so the initial greeting we want to be calm mm -hmm. um, and then you can bring baby in in their car seat i recommend putting baby on a table or the counter so that there's some height yep um, your dog can smell them and can't does know that you brought something new home. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say, don't stress about bringing home a blanket beforehand. You do not need to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, for some reason, this uh, piece of, of advice has become well known, and I think it's a little crazy um, because we don't introduce our dogs to people. So if someone new comes into comes to my door, I'm not going to ask them for a shoe before they're allowed to come into the house so that my yeah. dog can smell it. Yeah. Hey, give me a handkerchief with your sweat right. on it. Yeah. Right. So um, that's kind of the first step is wait for that calm, then bring baby in. Mm -hmm. Again, wait for the calm again. Then maybe you bring baby behind a baby gate where and put baby on the floor so that dog can see them. Um, have them be able to sniff and see. Um, and remember that a relationship doesn't mean it has to be a physical interaction. Um, we don't actually want physical interaction between babies and dogs because babies are pretty defenseless mm -hmm. and they don't know how to control their muscles. So um, a dog can find it startling when a baby suddenly um, moves around. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times I recommend just kind of moving on with our day after the dog sees it, the baby, Great. yeah, um, make it not a big deal, be nonchalant about it. Mm -hmm. um, and when that inevitable foot sniff does happen, obviously don't freak out. Um, I, I protect my baby's face. So mm -hmm. hair sniffing is fine with me, but as soon as they move around to a cheek, I'm like, okay, we're done. I a touch over here, mm -hmm. or I ask for a sit so that they are doing something else instead of sniffing up the face. So yeah, that's, I love that. Yeah, that's pretty much how how I do things. Remember to use all of your management tools. Mm -hmm. um, I like to use the analogy <clears throat> which my mentor used the analogy of cake, where dogs and babies are kind of like oil and water. They don't naturally mix together. Yeah. But when you add a few more ingredients like flour and sugar, and that flour and sugar is things like our gates and our pens, mm -hmm. uh, our pongs for distractions, 
um, then you get this beautiful cake. And oh, I like that. It produces a, a wonderful outcome. Yeah, like if you're missing an ingredient also on that analogy, because I've used the analogy of ingredients too, and it's yeah. like, if you miss a few ingredients, it's not going to come out so great, you know, right. so it has a potential to not, not taste so good, not be so great. Exactly. Um, I love that cake. I like that. And I, yeah. I, you said something that just triggered something for me. So here we go again off the cuff here with uh, the blanket thing. Yeah, because like, you know, I've been training now for I don't know, it's been almost a decade. Oh, my God, I feel really old saying that. But anyway, that's fine. I'll take it. But anyway, um, early Erica also thought that was a great idea. Like, sure, you know, hey, you take a blanket or take a sock from the beach, whatever. Great. Um, and now, like, I'm listening to you say that I'm like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, it's not such a big thing. It's not going to, like, make or break the difference between your dog uh, introducing to your baby, you know. Right. Um, yeah. But I, I did realize that I have, because it, it just, I just remember this, I have used a version of that in a different way, and I did want to touch on it. If you have, so there's certain dogs, I'm sure you've seen it, where they're like, really like you could see in their face and their eyes are like really infatuated with like wanting to sniff the baby and probably almost every dog like really like this like wanting to sniff and very curious about the smell where if like they put it up uh put the car seat up on the counter or the table now the dog might be like jumping on the table or trying to climb up on the chair to like get to like they're really kind of almost frantic about getting up there yeah where then i might say hey, if they have a blanket or a sock that they're okay, kind of in that moment, we want to maybe remove it and plate, like either hold it or like place it somewhere away from baby for them to kind of get that initial, like, ah, okay, I can, I got, I get all the scent of that baby in this versus them initially to kind of help die down. I have seen it help the dog just kind of lower the arousal levels of like wanting to get in there and get a good whiff of it. Not that it's going to totally diminish it, but I have seen it right. in that moment specifically um, to help them a little bit with that. So uh, that's the only time where I've found that it's actually going to help in the moment there when they're greeting each other. That's a, that's a good think about that. difference. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. Cool. Um, it's yeah. very different bringing something for them to smell in beforehand versus yeah. when they know that something's different and yeah. letting them investigate that way because that's a safe way to let them sniff the baby yeah like i've just had dogs that i'm like ooh, it's gonna be a long time before we can get them to even like get near the baby at all like we don't want them to so i'm like here you right. go like you sniff yeah, this exactly. a lot first because i do that with dog to dog stuff too like if we're training in the moment i'll like grab the collar or something off the dog and just let them kind of get it so that when they do get close to each other, it's not such an infatuation in the moment. Um, yeah. But I yeah, interesting. Cards. I don't know if you've heard of those. What'd you say? Dog postcards. This is oh. tangent. <laughs> oh, please. I like tangent. So you can do, I, go through that. I have a dog reactive dog who doesn't really have any friends besides our other dog um, mm -hmm. because he thinks that all other dogs are stupid. Um, which is fine. He lives a very okay. happy life without dog friends. Yes. Um, but my, my friend has a dog reactive dog as well. And okay. we took a paper towel, rubbed it all over our dog, put mm -hmm. it in a baggie and exchanged them. Yeah. Scent exchange. Yes. And our dogs, 10 minutes, both of them were just sniffing that, that 
paper towels. So that's mm -hmm. another passive enrichment option as well. Yeah, I was just gonna say back to your scent box thing. Like that's right. That's how much dogs really like to smell stuff, especially new things. Uh, yeah. So yeah, great point. And before we get to the final point of this, I had a note for myself too on that question of, I wanna say this because I know this is a thing and I know you're gonna agree is, I see so many pictures, videos, uh, stories of baby on, you know, you don't really want to avoid your baby, especially an infant or a newborn or even, you know, a young child being right at eye level with the dog. And that's why we're saying, put it up on the counter, put, put the yeah. car seat up here, you know, have them smell their, their feet or, you know, to kind of protect the baby a little bit. Don't have them just like right there in the middle of the room on the floor. But I've had people, I've seen people do this and the dog is going over and really licking the baby everywhere. And I think there's this misconception that the dogs, all oh, the dogs loving it, the dogs kissing the baby, kisses, kisses, kisses. And I'm not saying that when Jade licks me, it's not sometimes out of affection or she's excited or happy or Freddie does it that, you know, yes, there's times where my dogs lick me and I think they're having a blast and they're, they're happy and they're calm and they're loving me, right? But obsessive or excessive licking in my opinion, I'd love to hear what you think, is usually not a go. It's not good for me, especially with a newborn, especially with a baby. Um, it is weird and awkward and just not, in my opinion, it's like, like if they're just a little bit too, too much, they're running too hot is what I would say, air quotes, like running a little too hot. And yeah. I want to cool them down. Yeah. Um, so I just what are do you see that a lot or hear of that? Because I, I mean, how many videos have we seen of dogs like licking the baby everywhere and everyone thinks it's adorable and they're they all have their phones out taking videos? Again, I'm not shaming people, they don't know. But as a yeah. trainer, it's anxiety producing for me. For sure. Um, yes, I I view excessive licking as anxiety. Yes, um, same. And there's the, the lick to dismiss, um, where a dog will walk up, lick the baby and maybe kind of walk away. And that's kind of, they're like, you know what? I'm, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to get that. out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, that's another thing to be aware of is mm -hmm. a dog coming up and licking a child, or if a child enters the dog space and the dog licks them, that's not always a welcome to my yeah. space type of lick exactly it's not humans it's not like I'm going oh I love you you know it's not it's not right. that we do that but dogs usually do not do that in that way right yeah I'm so glad we touched on that because that's something I see a lot even with adults like I've gone into homes and the dog like I could tell they're running a little hot I sit on the couch and they jump up on the couch next to me and they start rubbing me uh, you know rubbing up on me and they seem excited but now they're like licking excessively and their eyes look like wide like this. And I, I'm like, okay, like, let's take a break. Um, so yeah, so on that note, final question, body language, very yes. important. Uh, and body language can be licks and movement oriented as well. It's not just like, you know, these these things that that are maybe less, there's, there's lower end stuff and there's higher end stuff that I think the higher end stuff people right. notice more the growling the lunging the big ones people kind of know but uh you know living with dogs in general body language is important so 
what would you say are a couple body language sig signals that you talk to people about and families about, um, and even yourself, you know, are on the lookout when a baby's around, or even again, this is going to be helpful for people with young kids or children in the house in general. So what are a couple of your top, you know, top two or three body language signals that, that you focus on educating people about? Yeah, so I actually have four that I mentioned to every every family. Yes. Um, I have lip licks. So anytime a dog licks his lips or even the full mouth lick, mm -hmm. or you might not even see the tongue, you just kind of hear the smack, um, that is a low level of stress. Um, and I want to point out that stress can be good or bad. So yeah. they might you might see this lip lick when you go for a walk. Um, so that doesn't mean it's bad stress. It just means that a level of the amount of the hormone cortisol is in their body mm -hmm. and that's how it's, that's how they're presenting it behaviorally. Yes. Um, so, but if it deals with a child, then say, say you're holding your child and your child suddenly makes a noise and you look over at your dog and you see that lip lick. Mm -hmm. that's a, that's probably more of a negative stress. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something to be aware of. And then a lot of times that lip lick can turn into a yawn and a yawn yes. is a little bit bigger of a stress because it's a bigger uh, behavior. Yeah. It's like a bigger movement. It's more exerting more energy. Yeah. I got you. That's a good point actually. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times you see those together. So you'll see a lip lick and then a yawn. Mm -hmm. uh, you can tell the difference between a tired yawn and a stressed yawn. So a lot of times their lips will be tight. Uh, their tongue might not do the full extension yeah. of a tired yawn. So be aware of the different types of yawns um, and yeah. how your dog kind of presents that. Love that. Um, yawns are such a big one. Yeah. And a lot of people don't recognize, realize that that's a sign of stress. Yeah. Um, and then you have the head turns and like this. You, see of, yeah, you see some Netflix and then some head turns. Um, my dog Bailey does a lot of head turns when she's nervous. She'll like look away and then kind of look back and look away. Um, and that's a sign of appeasement. It's like, she wants to keep the peace. Right. Uh, doesn't mean any harm. Um, but again, that's a little bit more of a, that's another increase in stress. So you've got lip licks at the bottom, then you've got yawns and then you've got head turns. Yeah. Um, and then you have whale eye and whale eye is where you can see the whites of the dog's eyes. Right. Um, and that's kind of my red flag for family. So if, if you see the head turn and then you see the dog's eyes turn toward what is stressing them out. Mm -hmm. and able to see those crescent moon shapes um that is a sign that they are getting really uncomfortable yes um, and it's it's like the big red flag that i tell families to email me immediately right. with, with something that that they have right um, i also will have the parents remove the child from the situation so mm -hmm. if I remove the child rather than maybe asking the dog to leave. Yeah. So that That's a good they, point. they get that space and they don't feel punished. So right, some, like now you have to leave. Right. Sometimes right. asking your dog to leave can be punishing for them. Sure. 
That's a good point. I'm glad that you made that distinction because I think a lot of people go to like, get the dog out, you know, and they're already uncomfortable. I'm not saying you should never ask them to get out or whatever you need to do. But yeah, if you could just pick your kid up and put them on the, you know, again, depending on how old they are and all that, you know, they're, you know, like able to walk around or stand, you you put them on the other side of the gate for a moment, you know, pick them up and just place them down or walk with them out of the room and then put the gate up. Something like that is also great. You know, you, you can remove the dog, but you can also remove yourself and your child. So I'm yeah. glad that you said that. Um, those are the top ones for me too. Those are the biggest ones. Um, I, a, a lot of Jade's the queen of head turns. You know, someone tries to like go in and hug her. She, you know, a lot of dogs, by the way, on this note, a lot of dogs do not like to be hugged and basically yeah. put in a human headlock that we find very like loving. Most dogs feel very restricted and constricted when we're around them in both arms. So I do tell little kids, not infants, of course, but little children, you know, try to pet or hug, if you will, with air quotes, with one hand only. So that way we don't get the embrace going on. So that way, if the dog does want to exit, they still feel like they can move away. You know, we do want to avoid some of that anyway. But if some, you can't control kids all the time and the dog all the time. So if we can start educating children on how to interact. Um, Yeah, so I would say, um, obviously, like all of those, and then if you see like a tongue flick or a yawn or the head turn or the whale eye, and then your dog's ears are like really pinned back while they're doing that, also another level of like, I'm uncomfortable, I'm concerned, I don't want to be in this situation. And also like tight mouth, you, you alluded to that as well with the yawning, like if your dog's mouth is, you ever talk to a person who's obviously uncomfortable and they're just pursed lips kind of deal, you know, so kind of that version with dogs of a tight mouth um, yeah. or if they're frozen stiff. Like I always say, you really want wiggly, jiggly body language with dogs as best as possible if we're going to dumb it down, which I love to do um, to help us understand all of this to say, hey, you know, wiggly, jiggly like jello, not stiff. So if they are all doing any of those things and their body's like not moving a hair, then also probably a sign that they're like, I'm uncomfortable. Please don't touch me. The baby's crawling this way. The sound is upsetting me. Something's going on. Um, so yeah, those are, those are all big ones. Yeah. And a lot of people call trainers when they're snapping or growling, um, which obviously please continue to do that. Um, but also if you find that your dog is avoiding your child and especially when they're an infant and not crawling around, if your dog is avoiding them or you might see shaking, um, Mm -hmm. that's another time to call a trainer. Cause even though your dog you are like, oh, my dog just doesn't even care. It could turn into that escalation of stress because mm-hmm. as the baby gets older and starts becoming mobile, then the dog is less able to avoid. Mm-hmm. So, so important. Oh my God. I'm glad that you're saying that at the end here because yeah, like people do. And, and I don't, again, I don't blame people, but you right, know, they, no. they do wait till it's bad things are happening and although we're ha- we're happy to help <laughs> but we would love to hear from you when you're like oh, i think something's going on i'm not sure you yeah. tell me what should we do to prevent further right. potential problems so yeah i mean i think that's really important because just because a dog is avoiding most people be like oh they just like get out of the way like they're fine with it they're not just, if your dog's doing that they're also not again speaking generally they're probably not okay at the level that we would want them to be. And 
we it does your dog doesn't necessarily need to be uncomfortable in the way of growling snarling biting you know acting like what we would say is you know cujo level you know you don't have to wait for that um to get help because yes the dog that's quote unquote nervous uh and hiding in the corner or you know going under the couch if they're small enough or just like running away that dog can also bite if given yeah. the opportunity like you said so if they all of a sudden now the now the dog has been around your baby for a few years and feeling kind of funky on a regular basis and now the baby is chasing after them and hitting them over the head with a stuffed animal by accident and yelling and screaming and doing all the lovely things that toddlers do aside from all the good stuff but we know there's right. stuff that's going to be hard for the dog and sometimes for the people in the house uh, to deal with because it's a growing human, um, you know, your dog might get more and more trigger stacked as we call it, which is just, you know, the, 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 the strings getting thinner and thinner of their level of, of tolerance. So I, I want to leave us with, don't mistake, I say this to everybody, don't mistake tolerance for enjoyment. Yes. Just because your dog is not growling or snapping does not mean that they're loving it. You know, it doesn't have to, it's not black and white like that. There is a middle. So we need to try to be aware of these things to try to make sure that they're not just tolerating everything that the kid's doing. Yes. I tell families that who are like, oh, my dog will be fine with my toddler or my baby. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not concerned. They're, they're not showing any signs. Mm -hmm. I tell them that that's great. I'm glad that their dog is so tolerant. We want to keep the tolerance. Yes. You want to keep it that way. Let's do this stuff to make sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And last point, I know I've said that already, but this is the last point. Um, I I made a meme once and I did really like it. So I try to remember it for these kids and dogs discussions is as much as you want to train your dog to be good around your kid, you want to train your kid to be good around your dog. And so, you know, what I mean by that is just, yes, we want to get our dogs, you know, under control, quote unquote, to be able to have everybody coexisting well and have it be a positive experience. But you also, as your kid ages, of course, not when they're three months old, but, you know, when they're when they're starting to understand concepts of this, you start teaching them little things um, so that your your child also understands how to treat the dog, how we treat animals in the house, you know, that they they deserve respect and space and they deserve to eat alone if they want to eat alone, not have us over there or not have toys taken away from them. You don't like when toys are taken away from you. Right. So we don't want, you know, our dog to feel like that. So educating your child along the way as well on how to be and your dog is going to make it way way easier Um, it's not just up to your dog to do well around your kid it's also up to you to help your kid do well around your dog as well well and to that point as well however Mm -hmm. your child sees you interact with your dog they're going to mimic preach and and it's not just going to be with your dogs it's going to be with the neighbor's dogs down the street So keep in mind that if you go in and hug your dog and your dog is tolerant of that because you have a good relationship, just because you can do that doesn't mean your two-year-old can can do that the same way. So keep in mind your actions with your dog and then imagine your toddler doing that with a stranger's dog because they don't know better. They're going, they, they generalize it to everything until we teach them to the differences. So preach. If anyone's watching this, I was just lifting my hand up in agreement because yeah, it's so true, you know, and if you're also not for nothing, if you're doing negative things to your dog 
and you know, no one's perfect, but if you're screaming at your dog a lot or physically doing stuff to your dog, your kid's going to pick up on doing that too. I've seen in fail again, not shaming anybody, but right. you know, I've seen it where I'm like, Ooh, I see the kid yelling at the dog and the dog looks uncomfortable. So yeah. you know, we want to try our dog. We know that our dogs are watching us and we know equally our kids are watching us to of what we're going to do and how we're, how we're moving about our day. And they're going to mimic that of course. Yeah, so exactly. very good point, Ashley. And this was so, this was jam packed today. I'm yeah. so glad, man, we, we could go on and on. Um, oh, yeah. I love this topic. I think this is going to be super valuable for people. I appreciate you coming on, not only as, you know, a certified dog trainer with knowledge and expertise in this, but somebody who is currently going through, um, you know, having the baby dog uh, thing going on. So I love having you on. Thank you so much for taking the time. And real quick, what are, if people are listening and want to connect with you, I would love to take a moment. How can people connect with you and where can they find you? So I am most active on Facebook. Um, It's Fetching Potential. So P-E-T, kind of a pun. And then um, I also have a website, uh, fetchingpotential.com. And then of course I'm on Instagram. I will admit I'm not the biggest Instagram user, so it's kind of dead. Um, <laughs> I do hope to kind of resurrect that as, as I get better and learn Instagram a little bit more. There's so much to do on all these platforms. It's like oh a gosh. second job. It's a lot. <laughs> I, I get it. I master one and then move on so that's yeah hey you gotta do what you can that's uh, all we can do with all this social media stuff so all right good and thank you for that spelling so it's fetching potential p-e-t potential yeah. um ashley you've been great thank you so much and congratulations again on your growing family and it's thank very so exciting much. i'm sure and exhausting but i'm sure it's exciting as well so i'm glad that you it's came wonderful. on yeah thank you so much for having me this was so fun Oh, no problem. I uh, I hope we could chat again. And thanks again. And I forgot, almost forgot my tagline here. And for those listening, treat yourself and treat your dogs. If you'd like to support this podcast or our other online educational content, please check out our Patreon support page at patreon.com slash from dusk till dog. And as they say, that's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you found some value in it. And if you did, please consider giving us some positive reinforcement and leave us a review. If you'd like to connect with me online, go ahead and give me a follow at From Dusk Till Dog on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, or Facebook. Or you can visit our website at FromDuskTillDog.com. And until next time, take care and talk soon.